Ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. Coach, we got another guest, and I didn't know it was possible, but we might have found someone that you know better than any of our guests so far this year. It's a guy that's very close to your heart, and just I'm looking so much forward because this guy is a whole lot of fun. Tell everyone who our guest is tonight. So we have tonight with us uh, Wesleyan graduate of 1983, uh, former Wesleyan football player Steve Sorkin, uh, better known as Sork. And uh, Steve is, uh, you know, we met freshman year in, in Clark Hall and obviously played football together for four years and have uh, uh, both got into coaching out of Wesleyan. And I obviously stayed in coaching and uh, he ended up uh, after a 12 year or so career, uh, got out of coaching and moved into sales. Uh, Steve's son, Matt, also uh, graduated from Wesleyan, played baseball here. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about and, and, and catch up on in terms of you know, being together on campus here, coaching uh, college football together, uh, actually working together in 1986 at the University of Pennsylvania, and then uh, Steve's transition uh, out of football and how he uh, leveraged the Wesleyan Alumni Network to uh, help him make that transition. We're going to touch on all those things with Steve, and I'm telling you when I say this, nobody loves Wesleyan more than Steve, so you do not you do not want to miss this interview. But before we do that, you do not want to miss what Mike O'Brien has to say. You can stay connected with the podcast by following us on Twitter and Instagram at West underscore athletics and on Facebook at Wesleyan.athletics. You can also subscribe to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score on Apple Podcasts, and you can contact us directly by emailing athletics at Wesleyan.edu. And don't forget, you could yell at me directly at ChrisGrace82 on Twitter. Please keep it clean. But that's all I ask. Coach, we got a great guest. You're not going to want to miss him. We also want to know from all of our fans out there, and even if you're not our fans, let us know what you want on this podcast. Let us know who you want to be on the podcast. We've had some great guests, obviously. We've got some more great guests coming up. But we want to know. We want to think outside the box. So we want to, you know, we want – the people to be satisfied here um, we want to know what you think we've been missing but until then I'm telling you right now you're not going to want to miss this one because this guy is a whole lot of fun he's class of 1983 he knows coach better than anyone else he is Steve Sorkin ladies and gentlemen another edition of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score your only Wesleyan Athletics podcast joined as always by the coach Mike Whalen by uh, the man behind the man, Mike O'Brien, our guest tonight, class of 1983, someone coach knows probably better than just about anyone else. Steve Sorkin is our guest. Steve, so nice to have you on our podcast. Uh, great to see you, Chris. Coach Whalen, Michael, nice to be on any Wesleyan event here. Good so to Steve, see you. Good to see you, Steve. You too, Mike. So, Steve, I know you and Coach have tons, uh, tons to talk about here, but before I get overshadowed by, by, my, uh, by the man here, I, I want to ask you this question. Um, every week I ask the same question. How did young Steve Sorkin end up choosing Wesleyan? How did you end up in Middletown? How did you become a Cardinal? 
<clears throat> went to Thera Academy, uh, Braintree, Massachusetts, graduated in 79. I was a three-sport athlete like all the, you know, all the college athletes are. There was a guy named Bob LaTessa. Bob LaTessa was one of the top high school athletes in our region, and he goes down as probably one of the toughest and best overall athletes that Wesleyan ever put out. He was a uh, all-star wrestler, football, and baseball player. I believe he played all three in college, baseball yep. for a period of time. Always played her, very well respected. So I got interested because he was somewhat of a mentor. I was in eighth grade and he was this guy going to college. And then uh, Coach Mac, Bill Mac DeMott, uh, invited me down for a weekend. And uh, I liked Mac a lot more than I liked uh, the boating coach. He was out making canoes and Mac was cracking jokes and talking football. So that's why I came, period. Plus, it was the best school I was accepted to, you know. And, and you know, you got to admit, you know, Mac's handwritten letters in magic marker, you know, the black, thick black magic marker. I mean, those were difficult to match. You know, those are difficult, difficult for other coaches to equal. Right, Steve? Yeah, Mike. And especially, you know, you're one that have, have saved them for 38 plus years. <laughs> I think you have them like color coded in a Whalen home library. You got the red marked ones, the yellow marked <laughs> ones and the blues. You got all his stuff. No, Mac, Mac sent you a handwritten letter with big magic marker, just as Mike said it. And uh, he was a guy with tremendous charisma. And, you know, well, the kids liked them there. The players liked them. And I said, why not go here? This is a great place. And I was fortunate to be accepted. I actually got recruited by Herb Kenny, the basketball coach. He came to see me play once. Um, but I wasn't good enough to play four years of basketball. I played one year, then played rugby and so forth. But football was, was the main thing. So, Steve, you, you, you show up on campus, you know, coming, coming from Quincy, Mass. And, and uh, you know, you, uh, you, you, you come to college and, and you, know, you come early for football practice, and as, as did I. And, you know, we met, we met uh, on that first day of reporting date and, and uh, actually lived in the same, same dorm freshman year. You were on the fourth floor. Fourth floor, Clark? Were you on the fourth floor? Yeah, 401, facing yep, uh, 401. Science Library. Yeah, and I was on the first floor. And, uh, yes, you, you were. Know, yeah, there, there we go. There we go. That's where it all began. But, uh, but, but just talk about your impressions of, you know, you know, showing up, showing up to, to college and what, what, what you expected and what you remember and, and what, what stood out to you the most. I remember day one, Mike. I don't know if I met you day one, probably day two or three, but it was a hot day and Clark Hall was a four-story walk-up at the time. So my dad and I pulled in and we're starting to get near the stairs and you walked by us. You had a mustache and you were slightly larger than me, Mike. I'm 5'9", 177 <laughs> with a rock in my pocket. And, you know, you're a little bigger than that. And we walked by you and I don't know if there was any nodding or anything. But as you went by, my father said, that must be one of your coaches. <laughs> I said, well, and then we found out the next day, you know, you were an offensive lineman. And, uh, but, no, I had a great impression. Um, I remember that first day, you know, you're a little nervous, you don't know anybody, but once you got with the, whenever you play a sport, especially football, when there's back then, I don't know, we probably had 70 or 80 guys. You got 70 or 80 friends right out of the gate and uh, it makes it more fun and a lot easier to adjust. Uh, so, but I remember, I remember, I think every game and I didn't play that much until junior year. Didn't start till I was a senior, but 
I could probably rip off the scores of most of those games along the way. But uh, football was great, and the school was great. I have tremendous feelings towards everything Wesleyan. You know, Steve, I was going to point out, the fact that you knew your dorm number freshman year, that's pretty impressive. Um, the actual number, that's, that's pretty impressive. So you talk about being able to rip off all the scores and being able to – you know, have that type of a mind where you can re recall all of those things. Tell me about uh, your favorite. You can pick a couple if you want, but talk about the most memorable football game during your time in Middletown. Did we have to win the game? No, it could be any moment. It could be Coach, <laughs> it could be coach slipped and broke his, you know. No, I remember. I mean, our, our first game senior year, this was going to be, I was going to be the start and the strong safety. I'd been returning punts for four years. Um and I've been on the special teams, but I'm going to start now. We played um, uh, Colby, Colby College, as Costa used to call them, Coach Costa. Colby College. We beat them something like 38-3 to um, senior year. Marty Solomon was a quarterback. And I remember we get to the field on Monday, and uh, Mac used to give Champion of the Week awards. I'd never won one of those because I was never a starter. And first week I won the Champion of the Week special teams. And uh, so that game is very memorable. Uh, the little three games, I, I'd like to forget uh, quite a few of them because we didn't win that many of them. But there was a, there was a game that we didn't win that uh, is my all-time memory in a negative way. Uh, you know, anyone listening to this podcast that is familiar with me knows I dislike Williams College, uh, you know, through and through, uh, worse than the New York Yankees. Uh, pretty much worse than anything. It's worse than kryptonite for Superman. Um, so we hadn't beaten them. We tied them freshman year, nine to nine, and then we lost twice. Here we are in the Purple Mountains, November, second to last game of the year. Their favorite. We get up there. We go down 21 nothing after three quarters. That's not very good. Then it starts to snow. And then they start to sting and it's a sold out crowd. Let's call it 8,000. Let's exaggerate to 11,000 if, if we may. And it's snowing out and they start singing goodbye Wesleyan, you know, that whole goodbye Wesleyan, that whole thing. And that fourth quarter, uh, we played, you know, we, we were possessed on defense. It's definitely our best quarter ever. Offense, forget it. We came back and we go ahead 24 to 21. We kick off with 20 seconds left. They fumble the kickoff and recover it on their 16. Now there's 16 seconds left. They snap the ball and fumble the ball. They call spearing on my good friend Bob Hebert, probably a bad call. That moves the ball out to the 30-something. There's seven seconds left. They have a timeout. They throw a ball about 30 yards post patent over the middle. They call timeout on our 37 and they score on a long pass. Um, that, you know, outside of grandparents dying on you at that age, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And, and I have had a long memory on that. And uh, when we dial ahead to uh, November, you know, second Saturday, November, uh, 2013, Thank our kicker. I think his name was Sebi, kicking three field goals. And uh, we went up 13-0 on Williams. 
We hadn't won the little three since the Vietnam War, gang, 1970. And uh, we beat them 16 to 14 right out there. And that was a, uh, we didn't know what to do with ourselves. That was, that was something. We sang a couple of fight songs that day. I'll tell you that. So, so. Steve, let, let me say this. First of all, your passion is spectacular and I could feel it. Like as someone who was there with coach the last time Wesley won the little three and getting to feel, I'm getting, I'm getting some, I don't know if you can see, I got some oh. goosebumps here because I can remember that game. And that was, I've called, I don't know how many games, a lot of games. And that was top three most memorable game in any sport that I've ever been a part of. Not that it was the best game, it's just most memorable. And what I remember most about that was coach's reaction. And when you say something like that, to me, as someone who didn't go to Wesley, and I think little three, well, that's great. It's a big deal, but there's three teams, you know, like, but when you say that stat since the Vietnam War, and you realize what you're dealing with, it means a whole lot. And, and, and that day meant a whole lot to coach. And I know that it means a whole lot to you as a graduate and stories like that are why I love doing this podcast and why I love catching up with people because the rest of the world doesn't know about the little three, but people who are involved with it, it means a whole lot. So that was a, that was a terrific story. And I appreciate, I appreciate you telling me, but I'm going to parallel coach and I'm going to put you on the spot here. Steve, what was it like when coach became the Williams head coach? How did you feel about him then? And, and how did you, I, I'm sure you're proud of your buddy, but at the same time, it's got to be a little bit of, a, oh my God, you became the, the manager of the New York Yankees kind of thing. Johnny, well, I, 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 I wished and prayed at night that they went seven and one every year. Um, you know, back then the games weren't on, on a computer and TV. So <clears throat> if they won, he would usually call me on the way home. If they lost, he, oh, he would usually call me. It wasn't a pleasant call if they lost, but I, 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 that's the only reason I wanted them to win. But when, they, when we went up there to play them, we made sure we were there. And we would razz him as he came out of that locker room. That one year, my God, I think they beat us like 50 to 7. Remember that one, Mike? Yeah. 50. And then we were taunting you about running it up. But that, that's another story. That, that's really not that important. But, no, I wanted them to do all right, but as soon as he got out of there and came home to the place he belonged, then it was a you know the gloves are off. I mean uh, we have, I mean I'm a, you know I was over I was 51 years old. We won that little three. I remember with uh, Dave Bagatelle, who's uh, you know he's sort of passionate about Wesleyan um, <laughs> as a major understatement. Uh, it's a big huge part of his everyday life, and there's a whole host of people like that: Dave Patterson, Scott Sprague, etc. But uh, we would go out there and razz the coach. As they would come in, the Williams team would come in. They walked from, uh, what, the hockey rink? And we would make sure that we got on their path to the field. And just he and I would sing that fight song as loud as we could at them. And here, you know, we're 50-year-old people. We shouldn't be doing that. But we'll always continue to do things like that when we play against that team and we're rooting for our team, period. So, so I got I to... Gotta... I got to chime in here with a little bit of a uh, uh, a post uh, addition to Steve's story about our last second loss up in Williamstown back in 1982 is a couple of things I've met. And this is, this is a true story. 
I've met six different random people, okay, who I didn't know when I was playing at the time, okay, who weren't people that went to Williams and I knew or, you know, while I was there coaching there and I found out that way. I'm talking about six other random people who were at that game in 1982 for random reasons. And I got to know them. And when I told them that I went to Wesleyan and they said, you played football. And they said, did you ever play up at Williams? And I said, yeah, I played up at Williams twice. And they're like, oh, we saw the best game up there back in 1982. I mean, you know, of course they had no idea, you know, they didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't understand. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I played in that game. But the better part of that story is, so fast forward now, I'm working for Dick Farley, who's the head coach, legendary Hall of Fame coach at Williams, who was great mentor for me, great friend. And I'm sitting there first week on the job and we start talking and he tells me about that game. He was the defensive coordinator at the, at the time. Bob O'Dell was the head coach. Coach Farley was the defensive coordinator. He was so mad that we scored to take the lead 24 to 21 with less than a minute to go in the game. He left the field. He left the field, walked out of the press box, walked across the street, was in the field house, and like basically like looking to break things because he was so upset because he was, he was embarrassed that his defense gave up 24 points in the fourth quarter. And, and lost the game in his mind. And two grounds workers walked in and he's steaming. And they walk right up to him. They're like, coach, that was one of the greatest games. He's like, what are you guys talking about? This was the worst game ever. We played like crap on defense. We lost. And they're like, coach, you won the game. He didn't even know they won the game because he had left the field and was in the field house. One of the best stories I've ever heard. Wow. Wow. You know, just a, just a, just a, you know, so obviously there's a, a lot of different history uh, to that game, which explains uh, a lot of the animosity uh, towards, towards uh, Williams. You know, obviously, having spent 15 years there, I've softened a little bit where Steve has not. But, Steve, there was, there was one time what's when – What's the softening thing about? Well, you know, I coached there for 15 years, so, you know. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. Okay, so – but I'd like you to tell us about the time when, you know, now, you know, I'm, we're, we're at Williams. I've stepped out of football. Danny is now taking over. Coach Desenzo's taking over the program now. And now we go up to Williams uh, in 2016. We're pretty confident at that point that we're going to win the little three. Uh, we've got a very, very good team at that point. And, um, and so we go up there and, uh, um, and uh, it's the um, – I guess you could say we jumped on him a little bit. You know, we, 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 we got a little bit ahead of him. I don't know if, I don't know if, how you want to describe that, Steve, but. Um, Seven touchdowns on Aronson, I think, in the first half, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So we scored 50 points in the first half. And, um, and so uh, you and I were, were uh, standing together on the top of the visiting bleachers in the third quarter. Yep. And you were drinking a glass of red wine, which you, which you, it's pretty standard for you at most, at most Wesleyan football games. You'll be you'll be seen drinking a glass of red wine. And uh, you were standing on the top of the bleachers and with a 50 point lead, you were yelling out to coach Desenzo, 
hey, Coach Desenzo, open the playbook, throw the ball. Open, uh, open up the playbook, Danny, throw the ball. Yes, that's what you were, that's what you were screaming at the top of your lungs. Yeah, yeah. And as yeah. the athletic director, I said, Steve, if you say that again, I have to leave because I really can't be, can't be seeing that. And, and, of course, you then followed that up with, with a louder version of the same thing, which well, I, then, I then had to leave the stands and go somewhere else because you were pretty committed to trying to get Coach DeCenzo to score a few more touchdowns. Well, that's a true story, 100%. <laughs> Uh, earlier that week, and I don't call Danny that often during the season, but I typically call him once that week. And Danny was confident. And I said, Danny, no matter what happens, you can't take the gas off the pedal. He said, don't worry, we're going to open the playbook. So I just wanted to remind Danny what he agreed to during the week. And by the way, President Roth was in our, our grouping there too. He wasn't standing between the two of us, but he was, in tw was within 20 feet of us. And uh, he was actually led the fight song with me at one point after one of those early touchdowns. But uh, yeah, that was, that was quite, a, quite a day. That was and quite and that's, a, that's a good segue, Steve, because I think um, when you talk about the fight song, um, you know, and, and to Chris's point earlier, you know, the fight song, you know, I mean, you sing it after any, any win, you know, and that's, and that's a rule. But, but getting the opportunity to sing it at a little three game, after a little three win, is really special for a couple of reasons. Number one is it's a little three win, which is obvious. Yeah. But number two is, is that if you're on the road or you're at home, it's a homecoming game. So it's going to be a huge crowd. So if we're up at Williams or up at Amherst, it's their homecoming. And if you win, you're pretty fired up because you beat them on their home field. I mean, I know that uh, in 2013, they'd opened that brand new stadium up at Amherst. And uh, we went up there, and, and, and we, no one thought we had a chance, and we upset them in 2013. And that might have been one of the best fight songs we've ever sang. Uh, was, was, you know, uh, they, were, they were dedicating the brand-new stadium at homecoming, and they, had th they thought they were going to beat us like they had, you know, several, many, many times before. And, uh, and it didn't quite work out. And uh, we won. And, and so, you know, you've really, though – I think, in my opinion, have been uh, uh, really responsible, which I'm thrilled as, as both the football coach and former football coach and now the athletic director, you have single-handedly brought the fight song back to being relevant on Wesleyan's campus in the last decade. I, I give you total credit for that. In fact, your son, Matt, who also went to Wesleyan, played baseball at Wesleyan, uh, got you a T-shirt that says, fight song leader leader of the fight song or something like that, correct? Wesleyan University with the Cardinal uh, fight song leader on the back. You want me to go get it? <laughs> I can throw it on. No, that's okay. We believe you. Yeah. Well, to, to that point, Coach, you know, yeah. I've noticed, because I don't just call football games, right? I see them all, and it's across the line. I mean, every, every team, baseball doesn't do it, but every team, for the most part, sings the fight song. Before games, after games, after wins, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the circumstance might be, it's much more prevalent than it probably was 10 years ago. Um, so, you know, that, that's, a, that's Come a to one point. of our tailgates because it, it typically uh, it's grown to the point where it gets it gets sung uh, three times before the game at the tailgate. Typically, I'm standing on top of a van leading the group. <laughs> 
and we've changed the words. I don't know if any of you are aware of that, but at the end, uh, when you do the go west, and then it's fight, 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 fight for Wesleyan, go west. Then you do a pause and you say, beat Amherst. Then you do a pause and you say, beat Williams, no matter who you're playing. And then we add in the actual opponent. You know, we did it at the, the uh, lacrosse national championship. Who was that, Salisbury State? Yes. So we do a beat Amherst, a beat Williams. So beat Amherst, the beat Williams are part of every event that, that we attend. It also happens out in the public. I mean, if I'm with a bunch of friends in Boston from Wesleyan, they'll say, Sork up in a fight song, we'll just crank into it. Uh, <laughs> and it started, I mean, we all learned it in college, but we never really sang it much. Uh, but it started with winning. I think that's what happened. Um, I'm not sure, Mike, what was the record in 2012? Was that a winning season, 12? 10, 11, 12, correct. Yes, it was. 12. And yeah, then we, 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 we used to sing it after a score. The friends I hang out with, we watch the games from the end zone at, at Wesleyan near whatever, where the bathrooms are there, in that end zone. Um, and now we sing it after every score and then after every extra point or field goal. So you can imagine what happened at Williams that day when we threw up seven touchdowns in the first half. President Roth was down there with me facing the crowd for probably the last three. But uh, fight song is great. I think it's a great fight song. People are into it. I'm into it. We'll continue that. All right. Just, you know, because we got to, we got to, we got to, we got to shift on here. I could, I can, I can go forever, but we got to move forward. So I know that after you finished at Wesleyan, um, you started coaching. And I know that coach, for obvious reasons, he coached as well. And you guys did some different things, but where I want to go here so we can keep this thing moving. At one point along the way, two relatively young, a Steve Sorkin and a Mike Whalen, came back together and coached together the University of Pennsylvania. Tell me about what that was like to catch back up with your college roommate and to be able to compete together yet again down the road. And obviously you guys had, had quite the run together there at, at, uh, at Penn. Yeah. I mean, uh, Five guys lived together on a four floor, fourth floor walk-up connected to Franklin Field. And we got Mike, we got myself, we got the current head coach at Lehigh, Tom Gilmore, the current offensive line coach at Notre Dame, Harry Heastan, and Kurt Jones, last I checked, works at Nike. Uh, we learned a lot. We were now in 1AA in the Ivy League. Penn had a great following, a bunch of uh, great undefeated seasons and winning seasons and championship seasons. And we learned from some very good people and uh, learned a lot about coaching, <clears throat> learned a lot about Philadelphia. Probably too much, but uh, that's where I live now, actually. So it, it was great. We were only there for about 10, 11 months together. But uh, I'd say the most memorable game was we drove down to the Naval Academy as a big underdog. They were good. They had, I can't remember his name, but they had one of those running backs that, May have gone Smith. on to the Smith was his last name. Smith, yeah, it was good, and we had a comeback victory there and won, and we went undefeated. So it was uh, an absolute blast. And then uh, let's see, Mike then went to um, Lafayette, and I went to Wagner College up in Staten Island, and then eventually we played against each other. When I coached at Columbia, we played Lafayette, and when I coached at Harvard, we played Colgate where Mike was at. 
and my record against Mike. Mike, what's our record against each other? Well, we also uh, played each other at Albany at Springfield, didn't we? Or no? Uh, no. I'm not, is that when you forgot that. the kicking tee that time? Yeah, that wasn't against that wasn't against you guys. But you know, I think I think to to Steve's point, um, you know, the 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 position that we had at the University of Pennsylvania was a um, you know considered part time coaching in terms of pay, but the workload was full time, and it was it was you know when 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 Steve was at Albany and I was at Springfield and we were doing our graduate assistantships, you know, you go to class, you you know. You, 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 you know, but, but you, you, you definitely coach and you definitely are immersed in it and all those kinds of things. But when we went to Penn, you know, there was, there was, it was football 24 seven. Like it was, yeah. it was, you were entrenched in it. And it was, like Steve mentioned, there was some tremendous coaches, not just who we were coaching with, but on the staff uh, yeah. who were, who were there that were, that were great coaches, great mentors. We learned a ton and, and, you know, for the two of us going there, you know, we were going there hoping that Penn would have the kind of season that they did and that we did and that that opportunity would propel us to full-time jobs, which it did Steve at Wagner and, and then me at Lafayette. And, you know, Steve had a great run at Wagner. They were division three, but they won a division three national championship. And uh, Steve played a big, big, big role in that. Um, uh, you know, winning that national championship. And, you know, even, you know, he was at Staten Island. And I was in Easton and, and uh, you know, we would get together on weekends after games and those kinds of things. And so still really we were able to stay in contact, but, you know, me following his career very closely and him, you know, vice versa, you know, that. And then from Lafayette, I went to Colgate, he went to Columbia and then on to Harvard. Um, and uh, so again, it was a, it was really kind of neat to, you know, kind of grow in the profession with, you know, with your college roommate and, and someone that you've, you know, become lifelong friends with. Yeah. We, we, we probably, uh, well, when we were together, we spoke every day and hung out, but other than that, we probably spoke two times a week for the majority of our life. And I'd say now it's probably once every two weeks or more, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot. Yeah, a lot. It's a long, yep. long friendship. A lot of, a lot of football. It all started at Wesleyan. So Steve, right so there. yeah, so um, you know, again, again for for our listeners and, and and maybe you know some folks that are listening to this that know you, but you know, kind of really don't know you know how you transitioned out of coaching. So you know, you got to Harvard and uh, working for Tim Murphy, and uh, you know, Harvard's got a great program up there, and and um, and then um, you tr you decided to to transition and, 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 and get out of coaching. And so just talk a little bit about, you know, how you made that transition out of coaching and, and kind of where you are now. Okay. Um, when you're coaching and you're raising a family, it's not so simple. If you want to be the parent that's around all the time and goes to every little league game and uh, every dance recital, unless you're coaching in the NESCAC. I think if you're coaching a head coach or assistant in the NESCAC, you can pretty much do all that. But back in this era, this is 1994, the internet is not a big part. Email is not a part of football. If you're gonna recruit a kid, you're flying to Florida, you're getting the VHS tape, you're putting them all in a box, you're bringing them home once every two weeks, you spend the weekend looking at them, then you go back again. And you do that, you know, it's a, 
anyhow, so I was raised in a family and I just thought it'd be a better quality of life. And I didn't really think of doing NESCAC at the time. So I got into sales and absolutely hated it for one year, for two years. Interviewed at Columbia for the defensive coordinator. Head coach talked me out of it, said, you know, you probably don't want to do this. And then eventually, once you sales is tough. It's hard to have a lot of success in something that you don't know. But the basics of sales is relationship building, which happens when you're recruiting. And I had a lot of experience in recruiting. Mike has tremendous experience. It's very similar. So once things started to go well, then I liked it more. I coached my kids for years and years. And, uh, you know, then that ended. And where I am today, I'm in a, a, a disaster restoration company. So when there's big storms or hurricanes or any of that comes through, or just people have floods or fires in their uh, businesses or home or apartment buildings. Uh, we're a company, I, I work for a company called Restore Corps, and we cover the Mid-Atlantic region and parts of the Northeast. And I'm the head of sales for that company. I did the same thing in Boston for 13 years. I moved down here to Philly during COVID and took this job, but it's good. It's, it's worked out well. I have no regrets, none at all. And then, and then the other thing, Steve, I just wanted you to touch upon, because I know, you know, when you did transition to sales, uh, you know, we talk quite frequently, obviously. And, um, you know, talk a little bit about the, you know, the Wesleyan network, you know, and, and how you were able to, you know, connect and reconnect with, you know, alums, you know, whether they were in the insurance business or, you know, um, you know, kind of how, how you utilize that Wesleyan network to, uh, to help you, you know, really establish yourself in, 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 in the sales? Well, before the advent of, or the, of, of LinkedIn, uh, my LinkedIn was Paul DeSanto. I assume people on the phone and listening to who Paul is, Wesleyan for, I don't know how many years, roughly 37 or eight. But Paul knows all the alumni and he works in that office. So I would call him and pretty much speak to just about any Wesleyan graduate, uh, very strong, very powerful. Um, I wish the high school seniors were listening to this. I don't know if they'll ever have that chance or to other people in my case. Uh, Wesleyan, great school, but tremendous alumni network. I just spoke to someone, we'll leave him nameless, uh, a couple weeks ago who's a coach and may want to get out. And we talked about the alumni network the entire time. When my son graduated college, he was looking for a job. LinkedIn was just coming out and we found a person, Matt, my, my Jennifer Brennan, remember her? Oh yeah, sure. That was his, and plus you had a connection, sorry, to the same company he went to, the two of you. So, you know, it's, it's a tremendous place for that. The network's great. And if you said to me, you're 59, how many Wesleyan people do you text or talk with in a week? It's over 10 over 10. And, and I think, you know, I think you also, you know, been, you know, uh, on the other side of it, you know, in terms of uh, your, your willingness to, like you just mentioned, you know, speak to a Wesleyan alum who's in coaching, who's thinking about moving out um, or, you know, you know, coach DeCenzo has, you know, kids that are looking for internships in Boston or Philly or, you know, those kinds of things. And, and so always willing to give back that way as well you know, just talk about how meaningful that is for you. No, it's, uh, 
it's great because you, you always put yourself, you know, whether you're 30, 50, 59 or whatever in the shoes of those kids. Uh, they don't all know what to do. And when Danny calls, hey, Steve, we, we need help with this kid. We need help with that. <clears throat> you know, you, you put your business aside a little bit. You're really busy. You can't fit it in, but you fit it right in. You just do it. You say, okay, let me take care of this right now. I'd love to help out a kid and, uh, you know, get him what he wants, what he needs, uh, and just keep on paying it back along the way. That's what it's all about. I don't know how you can't think that way. Well, and I think you also understand that the value of, you know, how much this mentoring means in terms of us being able to, you know, market and sell the program to recruits because, you know, the, the Wesleyan, you know, uh, A plus athletic mentoring program is a, is a, is the foundation of, of our recruiting. And it, it, you know, especially to the parents, you know, when, when, when the parents come to visit with their student athletes and, and, you know, we have uh, not me or not Danny, or, you know, we have student athletes talking to them and saying, Oh yeah, we have this, uh, this athletic advantage program that connects you with alums. Uh, so you, they can help you find internships. You can do job shadowing. Uh, you can do all those kinds of things. I mean, the parents just light up. They just, they, 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 they just look at it and they say, you know, Hey, we're not getting this in Amherst. We're not getting this at Williams. This is something that's special about Wesley. Look, look at Sammy Elias, the big cat, the close a few years ago. Yep. He works. He's my son's age. He's 28. He is an employee of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Actually got a world series ring, ring last year. That is completely through a Wesleyan connection. Period. Look at Donnie Semino. I was with Donnie a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, he was at a funeral. And uh, Donnie's one of the – Mike may not be a better athlete that you've had since you've been there than Donnie Semino, right? Absolutely. Great baseball, great football, great kid. But he didn't – he didn't he, – he wasn't just going to go to college and get some job in uh, New York City with Mike Charlton, become a vice president in, what, four years, uh, doing extremely well for himself. That wasn't just going to happen. Uh, you know, he earned a trust and a respect of people. And if you do that, someone at Wesleyan is going to help you. That's it. Yep. You know, big part of the program. I remember trying to start that before you, when you were coaching up in who the hell knows where, Purple Kingdom or whatever you want to call it, Purple Mountains. Uh, but we couldn't get it going. We didn't have a culture here yet. Yeah. You know, you brought a culture here. You created a culture. Created it. You know, I'm going to talk about Mike for one minute here. He stood up at an early uh, athletic meeting and was trying to change the culture. The school had not been winning that much yet. But he said something like this. Uh, I think the basketball team just won the little three. Does that sound right, Mike? They won the little three. Another team was doing well. And he said, everyone, uh, if he was talking about not going, what felt better? winning a little three title or going to a party. And if you say the party's better, make sure you invite me next time because winning that little three title here is meaningful. And I'm telling you the place, I know people that were in that meeting because my son was, and he called me and he, and he started talking about it. Next thing you know, the baseball team's winning. Next thing you know, the tennis team, uh, on and on lacrosse. Look at that women's lacrosse, men's lacrosse. Can you imagine that we had that national championship? Right? That was unbelievable. 
We sang the fight song in front of 1,500 fans. Slight exaggeration, that's okay. But we had a lot of people there, a ton of people. And that came, the roots of that came from people being disciplined and wanting to win and recruiting the right people and creating that mentor program. And it's going to continue. We've only just begun. Yeah, you know, if I can interject here for a sec, I have a, a neutral perspective, slightly less neutral over the last few years because of what Coach and I have done um, together. But I've, I've done games at Williams. I've done games at Amherst. I've done games at any NESTCAC school for the most part. I don't go to Maine because that's not in my contract. But, <laughs> you know, neither here nor there. But uh, in all seriousness, I don't. I don't go to Maine um, unless it's lobster season. But um, – what I noticed about Wesley, and it's different than Amherst and Williams, and it's in what you guys have been talking about, there's a communal aspect to Wesleyan, okay? Don't let us kid ourselves. All three of those are fantastic universities. All three are world-class universities. All three offer a lot of the same things. But what Wesleyan is different from those are, there's a different complex to the people who go to Wesleyan and the people who go to Amherst and Williams, from my perspective. And that complex is, I am so proud to be a part of this university, whereas I feel like I'm sure people who go to Williams and Amherst are proud, but they knew the second they went to Amherst and Williams that everything else was all set. And the people who go to Wesleyan, they're different people than the people who go to Williams and Amherst. Some of them are the same, but a lot of them are very different. A lot of them come from different backgrounds, more humble backgrounds, and much like you, Coach, and, and much like a lot of other, you know, a lot of our guests have had, you know, these aren't people who are, who are necessarily sons and descendants of presidents, right? These are people who came from parents who worked really hard so that their kids could experience Wesleyan. And it's noticeable. And I think that speaks to the type of personality, Steve, that you have um, in the way that you fight and you sing for the fight song. And I, I think I noticed that firsthand. And I'm sure you guys agree with me because it's your... You know, it's where you went to school and it's what you're most passionate about. But that's what I noticed, that the overall passion is a different type of passion. It's not like, a, oh, I went there, so I love the school. It's like, a, I love the school because I love the school type of passion. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think I think it's a great point, Chris. And, and um, you know, I, I also think that, you know, having spent 15 years up at Williams, um, you know, they're, they're, and Amherst is the same way is, you know, they, let's not sugarcoat it. They've had a lot of success, you know, and, um, you know, I think they, you know, I don't want to say become complacent, but they, it's become expected. And, um, you know, I think in, in the last decade, what we've been able to accomplish here, and, and again, we're by no means where we want to be, where I want to be, um, but I think we've, you know, number one is we've, we've, we've established that, you know, it's not a little two, it's a little three, and, and we're going to compete. Every single time we have an opportunity to play somebody in purple, I don't know if we're going to win, but we're going to line up and they're going to know at the end of that game that they played Westland and it's going to be a game. And, uh, you know, and, and that's all I can ask for. And, and, and so we're, we're, you know, there's, there's a level of excitement now because, you know, for guys like Steve and I and, and, and others, you know, that came through either before or after us, you, you didn't, I mean, you know, baseball, you had some success. I mean, baseball, you know, men's lacrosse, there was some success, but across the board, you know, it just wasn't there. And so now, I mean, again, you know, we all know that, you know, you graduate, you get into the real world, 
you're going to be rubbing elbows with people from Amherst, from people from Williams and the rest of the NESCAC. And, you know, it gets old quickly, you know, going into the office on Monday and having someone rub your nose in it. Oh yeah, we kicked your butt again, you know, and, and now that's not happening. It's not happening all the time. And, uh, and people notice it and people are excited about it and people are, um, you know, are willing to get involved and become mentors and willing to, you know, to send in money and to, and, and to, and to support our efforts because, it's new. Winning is still new here. And uh, hopefully, you know, at least while, you know, during my tenure, I, I, my only, my only hope is it doesn't get old, you know, and people, it, we don't become complacent because uh, we still got a long ways to go. And, and, and I still think we can, we can accomplish a lot more than, and build on the success that we've had. Yeah. I think stated. That, that's, that's, that's perfectly said. Steve, you know, we're, we're getting close here, but, but before we go, you know, you, you talked about, um, you know, being able to coach your kids and talk about the thrill of being able to send a child to Wesleyan and, and getting to watch your kid play, you know, it, you know, as a Cardinal. Talk about that experience as a parent. Yeah, that was a big deal, you know. Uh, son Matt Sorkin, class of 15, sort of 16, but we called it 15. Uh, uh, he came in as an outfielder and a designated hitter. And uh, it, it was great. He didn't play his first year. He was recovering from shoulder surgery. But there was a point in his uh, second year, he was a leadoff batter, DH. And uh, he was doing well. And uh, Tony Antonellis, another Wesleyan friend, called me and he said, I just looked this up. Do you realize that in Division One, Two, and Three in the nation, your son is the hardest person to strike out as of right now? I said no, 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 and I never should have told him that because he ended <laughs> up going into a pretty good slump. And you know, he out of the starting lineup, and uh, but uh, they made it to the NESCAC playoffs, and. Uh, God, you talk about going from adversity to the hero seat. Uh, he, he wasn't hitting, he wasn't playing, and he had to make up a final for some odd reason. And then he had to drive up to Babson to play a game, and uh, they put him in the lineup, and he didn't know why. He hadn't started in a while, and he got a key hit, and they won the game. He batted eighth. Next day in the NESCAC final, he's batting leadoff against Tufts. And then they went out to the uh, the playoffs. Mike, you were there at uh, – uh, the Yankees play there, Wilkes-Barre, the yep. Wilkes-Barre team. And this is a big-time stadium. It's the nicest minor league stadium in the country, I think. Grant and Wilkes-Barre. Yep. To sit there, you don't even know the lineup. You don't know the lineup. You're a fan. You're watching there. And all of a sudden, he comes out of the dugout to start the game, and uh, the big screen goes up. You know, it's like a 20-foot, 30-foot screen. Matt Sorkin from a, you know, leadoff batter and so forth. And he got a single down the right field line. Uh, but more so than that, you talk about Wesleyan relationships, Mike. We got so close to his teammates. And it still to today, all those kids, all those kids, they were at our house a million times and they and, and the parents and the parents, and the parents, and the parents, my God, uh, all of them, all of them. And that was a, a very special time. And it was really, it was one team, one team together. 
There was no egos out there. And uh, he had a good, enjoyable experience there. And uh, he's done well since then. And, you know, Wesley deserves a lot of credit for giving him that background. So, Steve, we, we, we like to ask all our guests, you know, if, um, if you could, uh, you know, give one piece of advice to current student athletes at Wesleyan, you know, what, 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 would, you, what would you tell those students today? Work hard, tell the truth, have fun, build friendships, make them genuine and authentic, and you'll be fine. You'll do real well. It's pretty simple. Perfect. Good answer. That's perfect. Um, You know, another thing we do every week is we put our guests through 10 questions. We're all wrestling base questions. Okay. Rapid fire. We call it gauntlet. There are no wrong answers. Okay. 10 questions, huh? All right. right. Coach, set it off. All right. Number one. This is an easy one. Your favorite professor at Wesleyan. Philip Pomper, Russian history. <laughs> wow. I love this. I'm loving Philip Pomper. I didn't see that one coming. Number one, uh, Russia considers him number one American historian on Russia. That was wow. about 38 years ago, but look him up. He's probably still there. I think he is. Now, I'm sorry. Did you say Russian history or Western history? You he said taught Russian. Russian history. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Beautiful. Philip Pomper. The- who was the most influential person in your life? My father. Stan Sorkin. Stan Sorkin. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, rolling papers. Stan One Sorkin. of the best. One of the best. Hey, he came to all the games. My mother, I, I shouldn't exclude my mother. My mother's still alive and well, too, at 87. Uh, the two of them. The two of them, you know. Great people. All right. Uh, so we know what your first, well, Actually, I don't know if we talked about it, but so what was your first job after graduating from Wes? Coached football, WPI, Worcester Polytech, three months, $1,300, $20 for living per week. And you worked for the thought. famous Bob Weiss, correct? Bob Weiss, whose grandson Kyle went to Wesleyan, center field football, coaches at UConn, I think. Yep. Only at UCLA. And his wife, Jenna. Works for me as my administrative assistant and runs How our office. How about that? I yep. still see Coach Weiss. He, yeah, he's a good man. Our team record was 8-0 that year. Nice. That was my first experience coaching. And, and Coach, of course, Kyle was a guest on, on Chris yeah. and Coach not yep. too many years back. And he's, I see him on Twitter, and he's constantly traveling, trying to get some new Husky blood into, into stores there to build up that program. So Kyle's doing good things. And uh, – if you haven't heard that episode, shameless plug, go back and listen to it because it's up there on Apple Podcasts and you can check it out. All right. All right. This is, I don't even, I don't even know if I should ask this question. I'm just going. Yeah. <laughs> if you were forced to cheer for one, would it be Amherst or Williams? Lord Jeffrey. Next question. You would go for Lord Jeffrey, huh? If I had, if I was forced to cheer for one was the question. Correct. Forced. Forced. It's easy to say neither, Right. Right. But that what wouldn't answer the question, Mike. Correct. So when the question is, my answer was right out of the gate, Lord Jeffrey. And, and you, you will not call You refuse to call him the mammoths, right? They will always Ooh. be Lord Jeffrey to you. Lord Jeffrey and the purple cows. That's what we play. That's it. That's okay. it. That's, that's it. it. All right. How do you change your name? <laughs> Think about it. When you were five years old, 
What'd you want to be when you grew up? I want to play for the Boston Celtics. Nice. I got asked that question in first grade. I had to write it on a piece of paper. I was embarrassed to write it, but I still wrote it. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So that means that uh, you probably were a John Havlicek guy. That's probably about your, your favorite player as a Celtic. Well, he's, uh, he's part of my pat private passcodes to my bank and all my stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I'm it's just doing the math here. Always you're... a 17 in there. Yeah, all right. Always. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm not going to give you my Johnny Motes impersonation because it's not may that. He rest, may he rest in peace. Last year he passed away. That's right. Yeah. Too too many guys in the last year. What's the best piece of advice that you've received in your life? Tell the truth always, because then you don't have to remember lies for the rest of your life. All right. All right. In three words, describe your West experience. Fun, friends. Football, Deke, beer. <laughs> that's a little more than three. Yeah, I know. Fun. Well, that's, that's a segue into this next question. What do you miss <laughs> most about Wesleyan? Uh, I, mean, I have a pretty good time these days and always had, but I, uh, a party at Wesleyan was a, was a great time. But, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's not true. I say, what do I miss most? I miss the locker room, football locker room. I don't have that anymore. Had it when I coached, but it's different. And now I don't coach. So you can't recreate that, yep. you know, the scent, the tape, getting in line to get taped, all that business, all the routines, all the rituals you do before a game. What's the best Wesleyan highlight from the last 20 years? Oh, that's easy. Uh, uh, highlight the uh, uh, November 2012, 16-14 victory over Williams. If you want to call that, that a highlight. If you want to look at one play, it was last time we played. What's that, two years ago? That play on the goal line that helped us beat Williams. Remember that one, Mike? In, um, in overtime? Yeah, the quarterback was going to get sacked. He fumbled the ball. A shotgun quarterback fumbled the ball, ran around, picked, ran around, picked, and, and the game's going to end on this play. That's it. Picks it up, probably in a 12-yard line or so, runs it all the way in for a touchdown, right in front of where my friends and I were standing. Well, he actually, he actually threw the ball out of the end zone. So it almost, he almost made a great catch on it, but it was incomplete. But he didn't take a sack, and then the next down, right? Yeah, was when he was when he they ran the quarterback run play, and he and he and he scored. Didn't he fumble the snap? Well, that well, was, that was, was a play before. It was a play it was before. A, it was okay. It was, an, it was, it was a, a poor wild. snap. It was a wildcat snap, and it went over his head, and he went back and picked it up. And instead of diving on the ball like most people would do in that situation, and taking a twenty-yard loss, and they only had one timeout left, so it basically would have been the game. He rolled out and he almost threw a touchdown pass on the play. And then the next play they ran it in. And then uh, we all know how that I, game ended, Coach. I would yep. say, though, if, if you had if you videoed the fans ever, like really focused on them, the November, whatever the day was, call it the 6th or 7th. Maybe it was the – it's always the 4th or 5th. 
because Mike's birthday is November 5th. It always hovers around, hovers around. My wife's the fifth. Right. You're the fourth. That's right. Um, Who's more important? My wife. Okay. Not it's even close. close. It's close, though. Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> so um, Dave Bagatelle and I had stood on that fence for so many years. He to my left, I'm to his right. Red wine, cigar, security doesn't care. And as that thing was rolling down, we looked at each other, said, we're going to win. It's over. And we, we ran onto the field. And next thing, we're like in the pile up with the team and the coaches. And Mike came down. And that was, that was something. You know, that was really something. Yeah, that was uh... – that was that was 2013, actually, and we and we and we, you know, we 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 broke the curse, and uh, uh, you know, I, my 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 fond memories from that date obviously were were you know, seeing how excited you guys were, which was great, um, but but also, I just remember walking through the crowd on the field after the game, and like random people that I I really didn't even know that were Wesleyan grads, and I'm I'm talking. I mean, at least a handful, you know, maybe eight to 10 people like came up to me, shook my hand, said, coach, you don't know me, but I, I just want you to know, I never thought this would happen in my lifetime. Like I never thought we were going to win a little three and thank you for coming to West, coming back to Wesleyan. And, 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 you know, I mean, that, that, that's something I'll never forget. I'll uh, never, I'll never ever forget that. No, that, that we went up and down, uh, you know, you have the cookout for the players after the game. Yeah, we we and we tailgated near them, and uh, we went down and thanked every player. They had no idea who we were, uh, of course. But you know, we were draped in Wesleyan, and we thanked them because that was a bigger deal than they even know. Than they could understand at that time. They couldn't understand that. They just won the they won the little three, and they were pumped. I think the record was seven and one that year, if my memory is correct. It is correct. Yeah. Yep. All right, we got one last one last question. Yep. One last one. Who's the West alum you'd most like to have dinner with? That's easy, Bill. I mean, you've had drinks with him, but you haven't had dinner with him. That uh, Bill Belichick uh, spoke at our company's uh, meeting. Mike Mike interviewed Bill six times, I think, something like that. Every bit of five, maybe six. And we had drinks one night uh, after he, Bill spoke in Boston at the BC club. Yep. And, uh, you know, I he's written me two handwritten letters, which is sort of cool. That's how Bill operates. Not big magic markers like coach McNamara, but, but uh, I think the world of him, not just cause he's won all these things. I just, you know, I feel like I indirectly know him a little bit and, I, uh, I think he's tremendous. I would have dinner with Bill Belichick uh, number, as number one. Great. Well, you did a great job. You survived the gauntlet, Sork. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we really appreciate your time tonight. This has been great catching up. And, uh, you know, I'll probably talk to you tomorrow. But, uh, uh, you know, hey, it's, uh, it's, uh, I've, I've enjoyed, our, obviously, you know, a lifelong friendship with you. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, pretty special when you – when you just stay in touch with someone as long as we've stayed in touch, but when you, when you throw in there, you know, I mean, so many of our 
of our, we had great memories of college at Wesleyan, but there were so many more uh, after that when we were both in coaching, you know, the conventions, uh, you know, the uh, annual football coaches conventions and, you know, clinics and uh, summer camps. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, the list goes on and on and on. And, uh, um, you know, you know, uh, we oftentimes get together just, just to, you know, to, uh, to give our audience a little perspective. We oftentimes get together and we try to stump each other to say, do you remember the time we were here and this happened? And most of the stuff we can't be repeated, but there is some stuff that can be, but uh, we, we, we just relish those opportunities to kind of quiz each other and see if the other one can remember the details of, of what exactly went on and, and uh, you know, how much fun we had, but uh, those times are special. And, uh, you know, I've, I, I, you know, again, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your commitment to Wesleyan. And, uh, you know, for those that. Um, and then it's fight for old Wesley Yankee fighting fight. never oh, given. Fight till the end, boys. Might and right shall win. So keep on fighting till victory, victory crowns everyone. And then it's fight, 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 fight for Wesley. Go Wes. Beat Amherst. Beat Williams. Beat Williams again. That's it. I got nothing else. That's it. Listen to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box score. As always, for the coach, Mike Whalen, for the producer, Mike O'Brien, our guest class of 1983, Steve Sorkin. I'm Chris Grace. Until next time. So long, everybody. Thank you.